Good morning, students. It's good to be with you again today. Today, we are going to finish our study through the book of Exodus. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to Exodus chapter 35. You know, all throughout the book of Exodus, as we've been studying, studying it over these last few weeks and months, we've seen many, many things. We've seen uh, the oppression of Israel under the wicked Pharaoh. We've seen God raise up Moses and hear his people's cries for deliverance. We've read of the plagues of Egypt, the Passover, and the miraculous crossing of the Red Sea. And in all of it, we have seen that God has been at work so that the nations might know His name. Right? God is doing all of these things in the, in the life of His people Israel so that the world around would know who He is, that He is the true God, that He is Yahweh. We followed Israel uh, in the wilderness up to Mount Sinai, supernaturally sustained by manna, and quail given from God from heaven. We heard God give Moses and all the people of Israel the Ten Commandments, not only as a, a way for them to not as a way for them to be saved, rather, but as a as a response to how a redeemed people ought to live. They received those Ten Commandments not in order to earn salvation, but because they'd already been given salvation. And God didn't just save Israel, right? He didn't just redeem them from Egypt. He orchestrated a whole new way of life for his chosen people under a covenant. He entered into a a covenant with his people that he would bless them if they would obey his word. He gave instructions for a tabernacle to be built, for a priesthood, and for how the priests ought to offer sacrifices. He, He gave them laws that would separate them from the rest of the world. Israel was supposed to be a nation that loved God and obeyed his commands. There were, there were to be seen in, in light of the whole world as a, as a different kind of nation, a different kind of people. But they didn't obey His commands, right? They didn't follow His word. They didn't keep the covenant. They tried to worship God and use Him for their own benefit by setting up a false idol, the golden calf that we read about in Exodus 32. The covenant was broken as soon as it began. But God was and is merciful to his people. He continues to uphold the covenant, promising Moses that he would lead his people into the promised land of Canaan, even though they sinned against him. And that brings us to today. As we wrap up our study of the book of Exodus, we're going to see that the preparation of the people and the work of Moses give way to the main subject and climax for the entire book. And that is the glory of God and his presence among his people. So first, we want to see the preparation of the people. What what is it that the people are going to be doing to prepare for God's presence to come? And we see this in uh, chapters 35 all the way through most of uh, chapter 39. So 35 through 39, we'll see the preparation of the people. You know, Israel tried to bring God to them for their own purposes by creating that golden calf. And that was this a really uh, linchpin moment in the life of Israel, that they were going to take matters into their own hands, worship God on their own terms, and instead, they were, uh, they were covenant-breaking. They were committing great sin. They weren't doing what they wanted to do. They actually were committing uh, great evil against God. They used the gold from Egypt in that scene, in that story, as a way to commit idolatry. But now, after a command and a reminder of the Sabbath rest that God gives to His people, uh, they are called to bring in their treasures as an offering for the Lord. God's going to continue. And, and here we'll see, this is how they're going to build the tabernacle. So let's start in verse 4 of Exodus 35. 
We're going to read quite a few verses just to see how this, how this story unfolds. Starting in verse 4, Exodus 35. It says, Moses said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, This is the thing that the Lord has commanded. Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of a generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution. Gold, silver, and bronze, blue and purple and scarlet yarns, and fine twined linen, goat's hair, tanned ram skins and goat skins, acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones and stones for setting, for the ephod and for the breastpiece. Let every skillful craftsman among you come and make all that the Lord has commanded, the tabernacle, its tent and its covering, its hooks and its frames, its bars, its pillars and its bases, the ark with its poles, the mercy seat and the veil of the screen, the table with its poles and all its utensils and the bread of the presence, the lampstand also for the light with its utensils and its lamps and the oil for the light and the altar of incense with its poles and the anointing oil and the fragrant incense and the screen for the door at the door of the tabernacle, the altar of burnt offering with its grating of bronze, its poles and all its utensils, the basin and its stand, the hangings of the court, its pillars and its bases, and the screen for the gate of the court, the pegs of the tabernacle and the pegs of the court and their cords, the finely worked garments for ministering in the holy place, the holy garments for Aaron the priest, and the garments of his sons for their service as priests. Let's pray before we go any further. God in heaven, we thank you that we have the chance to come before you again, to open up your word and to read and and have our eyes illuminated to your truth. God, we thank you that you've given us this inerrant word, that it contains no error. It's inspired word. It's, it's breathed out by you yourself, God. It's authoritative in our life. We need it to know how to live as, as Christians in this world. And, and Lord, we need the book of Exodus. We need this story to understand your holiness, to understand that you are particular when it comes to your worship, that you have a holy hatred for sin, that you're faithful to keep your covenant, and that you desire to dwell among your people in glory and power. Lord, we long for a greater understanding and a greater awareness of your presence. We pray that as we read this word today, you would give us that by your grace and by your spirit. We ask all these in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so there's a lot that God has commanded Israel and the people of Israel to to do. They've been commanded to give, they've been commanded to work, to build, to prepare, and there's all of these intricate details for exactly what's going to be made. But all of that is founded on this call that Moses gives to the people to give materials, to give gold and silver, to give linen and ramskins and uh, all of these other things. But this isn't a strict command. This isn't punishment for uh, making the golden calf. No, This is a call to give out of their generosity, right? Moses says, those who have a generous heart, you give as you feel led to give. So this isn't a strict command. It's a call to worship, right? How do you respond to God's covenant faithfulness in the midst of your sin with the resources that you've been given? Will you give, right? It wasn't a way for God to punish the people of Israel. It was a way for God to bless them, right? Through this giving, through these offerings, the tabernacle would be built and God's presence would dwell among his people. So some may be able to give resources. So they give gold and, and silver, they give ramskins and, and all of these different things. <clears throat> but some may not have those things. 
Some may have, have lesser means. They may not have all of the resources that others do, but they can give their talent, right? So it says in verses 10 through 19, we see that skillful craftsmen are, are given over to, to build and to work the materials so that the tabernacle could be created. So what was their response to this call? Right? These, these sinful people who have uh, committed idolatry against God and have now recognized God's covenant faithfulness in the midst of their sin, how will they respond to this call? Well, let's, let's read, starting in verse 20. <clears throat> it says, Then all the congregation of the people of Israel departed from the presence of Moses, and they came, everyone whose heart stirred him, and everyone whose spirit moved him, and brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting and for all its service and for the holy garments. So they came, both men and women. All who were of a willing heart brought brooches and earrings and signet rings and armlets, all sorts of gold objects, every man dedicating an offering of gold to the Lord. And everyone who possessed blue or purple or scarlet yarns or fine linen or goat's hair or tanned ramskins or goatskins brought them. Everyone who could make a contribution of silver or bronze brought it as the Lord's contribution. And everyone who possessed acacia wood of any kind or of any use in the work brought it. And every skillful woman spun with her hands. And they all brought what they had spun in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen. All the women whose hearts stirred them to use their skill spun the goat's hair. And the leaders brought onyx stones and stones to be set for the ephod and for the breastpiece, and spices and oil for the light and for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense. All the men and women the people of Israel, whose heart moved them to bring anything for the work that the Lord had commanded by Moses to be done, brought it as a free will offering to the Lord. Long story short, they all joined in. Right, The whole congregation of the people of Israel responded and gave abundantly so that the tabernacle could be created. They didn't just give of their resources, they gave of their talents. They gave of their time, they gave of their energy so that this could happen. Why? Because they wanted God to dwell with them. Right? More than the treasures that they received from Egypt, they wanted God's presence to remain with them. So here are people who understand that gifts aren't the point. Right? Our life doesn't terminate on the things that we own or the gifts that we receive. No, that these gifts are given so that we might be drawn into worship, the giver, the one who gives us these things. And we know that God is the one who gives all good gifts. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, James says, coming down from the Father of lights. So they actually gave so much that Moses had to tell them to stop, right? They, they actually gave overabundantly, and they, they weren't trying to meet a quota, right? This wasn't like we need so many uh, pounds of gold and so many... Uh, yards of red, red linen and uh, gold linen or, or blue yarn. We, we, it's not that we're trying to meet these certain standards. It's they were giving out of a heart that was generous. They were giving as a way to worship, and it was more than enough. The text continues with Bezalel and Aholiab. You remember those two men were going to be uh, receiving the Spirit of God so that they could uh, be gifted to craft and to work the materials to build the tabernacle. So these two men, Bezalel and Aholiab, taught craftsmen how to build the pieces for the tabernacle and the priestly garments. So for three and a half chapters, we won't read this, but for 36, 37, 38, and much of 39, we get a repeat of what God commanded Moses earlier. So they built the frame and the pieces of the tabernacle itself, the Ark of the Covenant, the table for the showbread, the golden lampstand, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering, 
the bronze basin, the court of the tabernacle, and all of the priestly garments. And over and over at the end of this section, we read that they did these things, quote, as the Lord had commanded Moses. Right? So over and over again, the people of Israel were doing exactly what God commanded them. They worshipped through their work on God's terms, not their own. Here was a people who had learned from their past sins and mistakes and had dedicated themselves to the worship of God and the obedience of His Word. They want to be obedient to His commands. What an example is this for us, students, as we think about our gifts and and our work and and our dedication. What is it focused on? Are our talents and and gifts, and is our time focused on ourselves? Is it focused on what we want? Or instead, is it focused on the Lord? Is it focused on what God has called us to do? The people of Israel were no longer crafting idols to satisfy their sinful desires. They were walking in light of God's Word. Because here's the reality. Israel was a sinful people, but they returned to the Lord. Right? They, They sinned, they fell short, but they didn't stay there. They, they recognized who they were. They were God's redeemed people, that God had showed grace to them, mercy to them, kindness to them, that He had saved them from their slavery and oppression. And now they ought to respond in a life of obedience. So the question is, will we do the same? Right? Will we uh, be faithful to His Word? Will we remember what He's called us to do? Will we run back to Him when we wander away? Because all of us are going to fall short. Right? All of us are going to continue to wrestle with the sinful desires that still reside in our heart. The question is, will we stay there? Or will we, by God's grace, move back towards faithfulness, move back towards obedience, move back towards holiness? And the reality is, that's why we need one another. Right? I need you to encourage me when I fall short. And I need to be there to encourage you when you fall short so that we can lead one another back towards holiness and faithfulness to God and His Word. Do we want to experience His presence? Do we want to see His glory today like Israel did? Israel's work was noticed, and it led to encouragement and blessing by the person best suited to give it to them, and that's Moses. So we've seen the preparation of the people. Now we're going to look at the work of Moses. And we see this in uh, the kind of the end of chapter 39 uh, all the way to most of, 30, of chapter 40. Right? So, so the people of Israel build everything, they build all of the materials, they get everything ready, and now Moses goes to inspect and respond to Israel's work. So let's read uh, Exodus 39. We're going to start in verse 32. Exodus 39, 32. It says, Thus all the work of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting was finished. And the people of Israel did according to all that the Lord had commanded Moses. So they did. Then they brought the tabernacle to Moses, the tent and all its utensils, its hooks, its frames, its bars, its pillars, and its bases, the covering of tanned ramskins and goatskins, and the veil of the screen, the ark of the testimony with its poles and the mercy seat, the table with all its utensils and the bread of the presence, the lampstand of pure gold and its lamps with the lamp set and all its utensils, and the oil for the light, the golden altar, the anointing oil and the fragrant incense, and the screen for the entrance of the tent, the bronze altar and its grating of bronze, its poles and all its utensils, 
the basin and its stand, the hangings of the court, its pillars and its bases, and the screen for the gate of the court, its cords and its pegs, and all the utensils for the service of of the tabernacle, for the tent of meeting, the finely worked garments for ministering in the holy place, the holy garments for Aaron the priest, and the garments of his sons for their service as priests, according to all that the Lord had commanded Moses. So the people of Israel had done all the work. And Moses saw all the work, and behold, they had done it. As the Lord commanded, so had they done it. Then Moses blessed them. All right, now it seems like we're reading over and over and over again this this list, this grouping of all the things that the people of Israel had done. Right, so God gives Moses the commands to build all of these things for chapters and chapters and chapters. We read in detail about how these things ought to be built. And now, yet again, we, we read this is what they're going to build. And for three and a half chapters, we read that they built this, they built this, they built this. And now at the end of 39, Moses takes another look and says, they've built this, they've built this, they've built this, they've done this, all according to the word of the Lord. Right? So, so why is it that you think in the book of Exodus, we get this repetition over and over and over again about the, the materials of the tabernacle? It's because the tabernacle is incredibly important. Right? If you want somebody to understand something, usually you repeat it, right? Like if you tell uh, maybe a little brother or a little sister to do something or to not do something, you're going to say it over and over again so that they, they get it. In the same way, God wants us to see in the book of Exodus how important, how vital the tabernacle is to this covenant commitment that God is going to make with Israel. It's incredibly important. We can't overemphasize for Israel how important the tabernacle was. Why? Because this is the place where God comes to dwell with them. This is the place where their sins can be atoned for and their relationship can be restored to God. This is is the center of their religion. It's the center of their life. And so it bears repeating over and over that they've done these things as the Lord had commanded. right? And so Moses, seeing all of this, responds by blessing the people for their work because it was faithful to God. They did it just like God commanded. And Moses wants to encourage that in God's people. So when he sees that they've done good, when he sees that they've done, uh, that they've done faithfully to God's word, to God's command, he wants to encourage them and to bless them. So by way of application for you and me, students, we think about this. Let us all be encouragers. Let us Uh, move to to bless and to encourage one another. When we see someone do the right thing, when we see someone be kind or merciful or bear any number of the fruit of the Spirit, we ought to encourage them. We ought to be encouraging people. Now, there are a few things more satisfying to a person's soul than the encouragement of a friend, especially especially as it relates to our spiritual lives, right? So, So maybe you have friends like this who you have this kind of relationship. That's awesome. Dive deeper into that. Continue with that. Cultivate those relationships. But maybe some of you don't have that kind of experience in your life. Maybe you don't have somebody who's encouraging you like this. Think about it like this. If someone saw, uh, if someone saw you shut down, uh, maybe some potential drama. Maybe there were some people around you gossiping and you shut it down because you knew it wasn't right. Or let's say your friend saw you be kind to a student who doesn't have many, many friends, but you took your time to, to go sit with her and, and to encourage her and to love her and to ask about how she's doing. What if, 
What if your friend saw you do those kinds of things and then went to you and said, I see God at work in your life. Like, I, I just want to let you know, I, I, I see the Lord working through you. I see God working in your life. He's using you to do incredible things. How encouraging would that be to you? I mean, how much of a blessing would that be to your heart to, to hear a friend, someone that you, you love and you care for, say something like that to you? Well, the fact is, students, you guys are doing things like that all of the time. And if, and if we would just have eyes to look around and see, we could encourage one another really well. Your scripture tells us to outdo one another in showing honor. And I think part of that is by being an encourager to our faith family. And we can all give some encouragement if we're looking around to notice. And Moses noticed. He noticed what Israel had done. So next, Moses hears from God that it's time to actually put the tabernacle together. That's what happens in the first part of Exodus chapter 40. So on the first anniversary of the Passover, one year after God delivers Israel from Egypt, Moses builds the tabernacle. He takes all of those materials, he takes all of those things, and he sets it up. And he sets it up as the Lord had commanded Moses. That's the phrase you see in Exodus 40 over and over again. Moses is going to be faithful just like Israel was faithful. So what's going to happen? Right, once the tabernacle is built, would Israel notice God's presence? Would they, would they feel something different? Would they experience something special? The whole book of Exodus has led us to these last five verses in Exodus chapter 40, where we see the glory of God as He dwells among His people. Israel was a people saved by grace. Just like you and me, Israel was saved by grace. They didn't deserve, they didn't have anything in and of themselves to be redeemed out of Egypt. God made a promise and he was faithful to his promise. And they were sinful people, just like Israel was a sinful people. But God saw fit to show grace and mercy to them. Moses and Israel, since then, since that deliverance, had doubted, they had disobeyed, they had spurned God's glory and power. They had made a mess of all of it, but God remained with them. He remained faithful to them. They groaned and complained, but God was merciful. Israel was to be God's people, and God was going to be their God, but their sin had caused separation. So here, with the installation of the tabernacle, God would begin to show up in a powerful way. So let's read together the last five verses of the book. Exodus chapter 40, starting in verse 34. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all their journeys... Whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out until the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and fire was in it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. Can you imagine being an Israelite when the tabernacle is completed? Can you imagine standing outside of your tent and you see Moses putting together the tabernacle 
and you're, you're wondering, you're, you're talking with your friends or your family members, what's going to happen? I mean, what is, what is it going to be like when the, the tabernacle is here? Will we, will we know that God is here with us? Will he only be in the Holy of Holies? Will we be able to see or to sense his presence? And as you watch Moses put these things together, as he stands back and, and looks at his completed work, then the cloud falls. Right, The cloud, the pillar that led you out of Egypt, that led you through the Red Sea, that cloud now descends in your midst. God's presence comes to rest where you are. And what's insane, what's, what's amazing is that uh, this glory of the Lord, this, this presence of God fills the tabernacle so powerfully. His, his presence is so holy. It's so, uh, it's so glorious that, that Moses himself, even Moses, can't even enter into the tabernacle. And you remember, Moses is the ones who would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp and speak to the Lord as a man talks to his friend. He was the one who went up on Mount Sinai and heard the word of the Lord and received the law, but not even Moses, the one who would come down off the mountain with a, or come out of the tent with a shining face. Not even Moses could enter into this tabernacle. God was dwelling with his people. Now the last verses tell us that Israel followed God's presence wherever he went. So if God's presence left the tabernacle and went somewhere else, all of Israel would get up and move. But if God's presence rested on that tabernacle, that's where they would set up camp. They would stay where God's presence would stay, and they would move to where God's presence would move. All day, every day, Israel could see God's presence resting on the tabernacle, either through the cloud or through the fire. And what a gift that is, right? What a gift it would be to know Right there is the presence of God. All day, every day, the people of Israel knew that their God was with them, that He was for them, that He was not leaving them. Now, I hope you see where we ought to go with this because we are partakers of a new and a better covenant, right? So what we have as Christians, what we get to experience as far as God's presence is better than clouds of uh, fire or just pillars of cloud descending on a building. We have the Spirit of Christ dwelling in us. Right? It's not out there, it's in here. Jesus Christ came to tabernacle among His people. Right? When John says that uh, the Son came to dwell among His people, that word is the same word for tabernacle. To dwell with and among His people. Now in the Old Covenant, people would go to the tabernacle to offer sacrifices to the priests, to be made clean. And in the ministry of Jesus, he would go to sinners and he would make them clean. You see the difference? In the old covenant, we would have to go to the tabernacle and have to present our offerings to a priest in order to be made clean. But now, Jesus comes to us. He comes to us in our sin, in our frailty, in our weakness, and he makes us clean. It was his work not the work of the people that removed the stains of their sins. We can't sacrifice enough to earn uh, right standing. We can't sacrifice enough to be clean on our own. We need God to move. We need God to do something on our behalf. And that's exactly what happens in the work of Christ. So now, God is uh, building us up together as His new people, as His chosen 
people. We as the people of God are now known as the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? He lives in each one of us. He guides and encourages. He convicts and empowers. He loves us as we obey God's word together. Now, unlike Moses, who couldn't even enter the tabernacle because of God's presence, unlike Moses, we can enter into God's presence with confidence whenever we want. That's the good news of the book of Hebrews, that we can approach the throne of grace with boldness and confidence, knowing that we will find what we need in our time of need. But now God is building us up together. So it's not just you individually being a a temple of the Holy Spirit and me individually being a temple of the Holy Spirit. Turn with me to 1 Peter, near the end of the New Testament. In 1 Peter chapter 2, he picks up on this theme that we are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. So hopefully you found 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 4, and we're going to skip a couple verses. So starting in verse 4, Peter writes, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You see what he's saying? He's saying that as Jesus saves you, as you come to faith in Christ, you are also coming into this spiritual house that's being built up. You are a living stone, Peter says, and I am a living stone. And and the members of Lakeview Baptist Church are all living stones. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, he is building us together to be a, a house, a spiritual house where he will dwell and where he will rest. His presence and his glory will be with us forever. So greater than the tabernacle, we now are the dwelling place of God. Now skip down in 1 Peter 2 to verse 9. Peter writes, that You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Students, this is our calling as Christians. This is our task as the body of Christ. Yes, we have the Great Commission to go and make disciples, but we're also called to be a holy people. We're called to be a a spiritual house built up, these living stones showing the glory of God to the world. So we, we do that by remembering who we are as God's chosen, beloved, redeemed people, and then by offering our lives as generous sacrifices to God in response to His glorious work. Remember, we're not, we're not responding or we're not uh, sacrificing our lives. We're not obeying God so that we might earn something. No, just like that free will offering in Exodus 35 with the, the resources, the gold and the silver, they've already received redemption. They've already received salvation. Now they get to respond in worship. And it's the same with us. We live our lives in obedience, not to earn salvation, 
but because we've already been given all things in Christ. So we do this as a response to His glorious work, and we do this for the glory of God among the nations. Right? Look again at verse 12. It says, Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. Why? So that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. We live our lives as holy people in part so that the world may know who the Lord is. Just like the book of Exodus, we have been set up as God's chosen people so that He might use us and work through us for the whole world to see that He is the God who is worthy of worship, He is the God who created all things, and that He is the God who offers salvation to those who come in repentance and faith. God is always working through His people for the glory that's due His name from all nations. Students, God has made us His holy people, and He has given us His presence in the Holy Spirit so that all day, every day, just like a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day, all day, every day, we can know that God is with us, that He is for us, that He is never going to leave us. We are living what the book of Exodus is pointing to. God reveals Himself to us, and we respond in praise to Him. We respond with a life of praise to the One who alone is worthy. We respond with a praise that will allow us to see more and more of the One that we worship. That's where we're headed, students. And that's what the book of Exodus is all about. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You so much for Your Word. And we thank You for the book of Exodus. So we see that You are a faithful, covenant-keeping, glorious, powerful, righteous, gracious, compassionate God. More and more we could talk about all of the ways in which You reveal Yourself in that book. We thank You for the story that it tells of this covenant that you enter into with your people so that we can be so much more grateful for the new covenant that we are in through the work of Christ. God, we know that there are not enough sacrifices to give, that we can't obey your law because of our sin. But Jesus accomplished what was impossible for us. And now instead of the old covenant, this law that leads to death, now we have a law that leads to life. And we get to respond with glad and generous praise with lives that are like like spiritual offerings to you. God, we pray that you would help us to know and to love the story of the Bible. We pray that you would use it to transform us more and more into the image of Christ. We ask all this in his name. Amen.